0: Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea Podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jilkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Wow. OK. I truly cannot wait for you to hear this podcast episode with my friend Kenzie Brenna. We have been following each other on social media for a while, and we both started in like the body image, body positivity space, and the way this woman's content has evolved to reflect such deep, Aspects of society and culture, and how we consume the internet, and just so many topics that are seemingly taboo, especially because these days it is very easy to get attacked online. And yet, Kenzie is able to present these controversial conversations, but with so much grace and thought and knowledge and sympathy and understanding towards all perspectives. So I am just beyond stoked for you to hear this. I do want to warn you that we talk about some things that may make you feel uncomfortable and things that you may disagree with and know that that is okay. That is part of the learning process is finding what you disagree with, seeing if it sparks some sort of interest for further research, and diving into that. And that's something that I've been doing a lot, a lot more of, because I think the internet just makes us so susceptible to binary thinking. And that's just a major theme of this episode. And so much wisdom that Kenzie brings to us is that most of life does not exist in very succinct, easy answers. Most of life cannot be summarized into an infographic. There's just so much nuance to people and to life and the way things interact and geopolitics and domestic politics and just all of these things that have become so popular to shout about on the internet. Are actually so much more intricate and nuanced than we let them be. And because of that, so many of us are uncomfortable with living in the gray and with recognizing how much we don't know. So this conversation goes so many different directions. I really, really hope that you can take a pause and Listen to this very intentionally. And if some parts make you uncomfortable, like I said, that's okay. We always invite that conversation. And I would love to hear your perspective and what you thought about this episode on Instagram the easiest way to open that up is to take a screenshot of you listening. Make sure you tag both me and Kenzie. I'm obviously at Mary's Cup of Tea or at Mary's Podcast. And Kenzie is at Kenzie Brenna on Instagram. We would absolutely love to hear from you. And I hope you enjoy this episode with fellow self-love advocate, podcaster, speaker, and just overall beautiful soul, Kenzie Brenna. Hey, Kenzie, welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm so excited you're here. Oh my God. I'm so excited
1: to be here. I have been wanting to chat with you for so long and I'm so glad we are able to do this.
0: Uh, likewise. And like I was telling you before we hit record, I feel like I have to be public about this because I'm sure it's something people feel, but I was like nervous to reach out to you. Like I said, I was just, you mentioned that sometimes it's harder to reach out to somebody, you know, to be like, Hey, be on my podcast. Or could you do this for me? Or do you want to collaborate than it is to even strangers? Cause it's a little vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Oh my God.
1: It's so vulnerable because it's like, these people mean something to you, you know, so much more than like some random person online or or anything like that. So I totally I hear you. And it's so sweet. It's so sweet that that you felt that way, but you absolutely don't have to. And I'm so delighted to be here with you today.
0: Oh, thank you. I've just been such like a diehard fan and follower since the beginning, probably about five years now. And of course, I started following you because we're in a similar industry with the body image stuff. But what I really, really stayed for is the deep and vulnerable conversations about, quote unquote, unpopular opinions that we hold that nobody else is talking about, especially people in our community. And that's something that I admire so much about you is that you just touch on things that are so real for you and it makes people feel seen, heard, and understood.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I try really hard to talk honestly with people and with the platform and with the community and a lot of the things that go through my head aren't necessarily popular topics or I don't know how to talk about them in a way that won't you know, upset someone or something like that. If I'm having a thought about dieting or if I'm having a thought about religion or spirituality or COVID or something like that, I wanna talk about it in like a very open and curious way, not in a way that makes me an expert, not in a way that makes me someone who is putting fundamentalism like behind it or anything like that I just want to talk about stuff and just listen and it's also one of my favorite things is to like talk about things with people and then have them say like oh I've been dying to talk about this but I didn't know who to chat to about it or I've been dying to talk about this but I haven't seen anybody else talk about it online or something like that it just like warms my heart because I feel like you're kind of like shedding light into like darker spaces that don't get a lot of attention or space to bring
0: Yeah, what gives you the courage to do that? And also, how do you deal with the potential backlash? And I say potential intentionally, because I usually feel like the backlash itself isn't as big as it is like in our minds, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. For sure. That's a really good question. I try to make sure that I'm one, being as sensitive as possible about whatever topic it is, you know, I'm like, really checking my biases. I'm like making sure that what I'm saying has like no ism attached to it. I'm like wondering like, how will this affect different people who are coming across this content? And I just try to like check myself on all of those things before posting. And once I do that, once I do this kind of like internal audit, I am able to have integrity in my decision because I have been thoughtful about it. And when I know that I post up something, like let's say I post up something along the lines of there will be fat people who will eventually want to lose weight for health reasons. And we're not talking about it. Like, let's say I want to post up something like that. I already know that people are going to be, some people are going to be pissed off that I said that some people are going to be angry. And that doesn't make my decision to talk about it, have any less integrity. I kind of just expect it. And I, Not that I, I don't know how else to say it, but like I welcome it in a way that I'm like, this is, you also have a voice here. You know, my whole goal is to not shut out perspectives. And so trying to hold space for people's anger and then also listen to them and think like, okay, maybe they do have a point here. Maybe this message can be transformed in some way. Maybe I can like learn from them. So I just try to be as open as possible and then also knowing my boundaries knowing when something is actually bullshit knowing when like a person is screaming into the void of the internet just to scream at me and not take it too personally when that happens I think is very helpful. What about you how do you um handle any backlash on your page do you tend to like shut down or do you like tend to like
0: engage? I don't know. It kind of depends. I wish I could say I found a very productive way to handle it, but I am <laughs> still pretty sensitive. It kind of just depends that the analogy that I like to use is like, say somebody like walked over to you and poured salt on your hand. You'd be like, what the fuck? Why did you just pour salt on my hand? That was weird. You weirdo. Mm. But if you had like a cut there and somebody poured salt on your hand, then it would sting and you would instantly go into pain, right? And you wouldn't even think to be like, okay, that was weird that they walked over and poured salt on my hand because you're so focused on that pain, which is just like an open wound inside of you and it got triggered or activated by that salt. Mm. So for me, I really try to like catch myself because there are certain comments people leave and I could not care less. And it is very difficult, yet the most important thing that I have to do is really just acknowledge that when I'm feeling the most angry or sensitive towards a particular comment or opinion or sentiment or whatever people leave on my page, it is because there's some part of me that almost in a sixth sense agrees with them or something that I'm really afraid to be discovered about me. Like yesterday, somebody left on my page, like they were like, be more intellectually responsible. And it was this long comment and it ended with be more intellectually responsible. And I was really sensitive to it because I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm already tiptoeing over every single word that I say. And I'm constantly checking myself and doing research and making sure I don't offend anyone. And like what you said, just looking at it from all different angles And then receiving that, despite all of that work, I still to someone come across as intellectually irresponsible. Mm. They just like showed me that I'm obviously still afraid of that. And it's obviously still an insecurity. So that's something that I kind of have to like, just the self awareness aspect, and sometimes I actually do reply to hate comments, and I'll send them like a voice note because <laughs> I feel like it's so much different when it's like your voice. And more often than not, they apologize, um, not because they feel bad that like they got caught or whatever, or that I saw it and responded, but because they they genuinely didn't think that. I would even care to hear them. And the fact that I like hear them and take the time to respond, I feel like a lot of the times this shift just happens. And so, yeah, my boyfriend's like, why do you do that? And my therapist is like, you know, you don't always have to do that. But sometimes it really, really does help me.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. I think that you're building bridges instead of walls. And in a way you are humanizing yourself to people who are dehumanizing you in the DMs. And there is a way of you, you're diffusing it. Maybe you don't have to do it every time that you do, but I totally get it. It's like you want to connect with them in some way. It's, and it's like a little bit dangerous and exciting to do it because you don't really know where the conversation is going to go. But I think that that's really powerful and beautiful that you do that.
0: Oh, thank you. And like going back to integrity, that's like a big thing. Like I need to make sure that my heart is in the right place. And the way I do that is by like formulating my words and consciously responding to them as in like, Hey, I'm so sorry you took it this way. This is what Mm -hmm. I actually meant. I hope that you can see my truth at some level, just like I see your truth at some level. And that's that you know like that feels like living in integrity to me although I do wish that I I have friends that are like fuck that you know and they just brush it off and I wish I could be that way but it's just not who I am
1: (laughs) oh my god totally for sure I do think that like uh, there's just there's something about being online where you just know that the Conversation can be so incomplete because being online is being in a two-dimensional space. And when you're in person with somebody, you get you get a look at them and you get to listen to their pitch, their tone, their hesitation. You can match your breath to their breath. You can watch them fidget. You can watch them relax their shoulders. You can watch them talk and maintain eye contact you can watch them avert eye contact you can watch them leave the room if they get upset you can watch them twirl their hair you can hear them you can smell them like there is so much more evolutionary biology that like comes into play when you are talking to somebody in person like it's that's how we evolved and now we're talking in these two-dimensional spaces and it's like why are we misunderstanding each other so much <laughs> right and <laughs> so I think it's like I think it just totally makes sense why we are so disconnected online in a way you know
0: 100 percent. that was so profound I do wish that some people would be like Hey, this is just one Instagram post or a 15 second TikTok. It doesn't summarize the entirety of this person's beliefs. It's just one little snippet. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's part of this like essentializing that we do online where a person will say something and then we essentialize them as that entire one perspective. Mm hmm. Or that one sentiment that they made about this one problem that we're having in the world. Let's say they say something and it's like, we then formulate our opinion of their whole being on that one thing. And we reduce a very complex person down to just one statement. And that's not fair because human beings are so much more complex and complicated than that. And I, I hate doing that. I actually find myself doing it as well. And so I have to I have to really check myself to not
0: do it. Mm, me too. And that's like the biggest thing. Like if we could all individually take responsibility for it, it would just be such a big change. I think a lot of people look for like one blanket statement, kind of what you brought up at the beginning of like, all weight loss is bad and you shouldn't strive to lose weight. And you're like, well, maybe for some people, they do want to lose weight. And that can be okay, too. And I feel like you really bridge the gap between like, the both Mm -hmm. and both having a truth simultaneously, or same thing with like, one thing that is just gives me so much peace that somebody else is able to articulate is how you talk about being spiritual and an atheist, because that's something Mm -hmm. that I grappled with for so long. Or like, being very anxious about the vaccine and maybe deciding to get it or just all the combinations of those things and all the nuances in between. I don't have a a better way of putting this, but like, how, how are you, how do you do this?
1: (laughs) My, one of my favorite things is to definitely take things that seem to be opposite and find similarities in them and try to bridge them. I don't know why. I'm just like challenge accepted. <laughs> you know, and I think it's it's often because paradoxes actually do exist and dichotomies do exist and I think to embrace them it means that you're not giving up. And I think I find that a lot of people give up really easily when they pick one side. They pick one side and then nothing else can be true. And I have to remind myself that like, that just cannot be the truth, like capital T truth. That just cannot be it. It can't just be a one side. I'm pretty sure that it's always been a both side. It's always been both. And it's not either, or it's not neither. It's usually a both and in some way. And that's how I do it: is by wanting to know the truth of things and not wanting to reduce my experience down just because we start started putting things into boxes. And it's really weird because I feel like in leftist spaces, you know, we're constantly screaming and yelling and saying like, you know, fuck binaries, uh, you know, f- screw anything that puts us into categories. Like, don't label me, and then we do do it. We are absolutely creating dichotomies. We are absolutely creating binaries. We're creating a lot of rigidity in these so-called progressive spaces. And I just am not, down, I'm not, I'm not down for that. And I think that, um, inclusivity is a lot harder to achieve than what we're all actually considering. Like we can't just be inclusive of four things or five things. And The world has almost 8 billion people in it. It would be so, it would be so egregious for me to think that I only had, you know, two to four different perspectives. And then that was, that was it for the rest of humanity. Like that was it. Like we figured it out based on, you know, my limited experience here in the West. And we just have so many bodies on the earth and there's so many perspectives and so many stories and so much nuance that it's so silly to think that we would be able to just be choosing between weight loss or anti-weight loss, spirituality or atheism. And I just, I love, love, love exploring that liminal state between two opposing ideas, like what's actually in the in-between here. And a lot of the time it's complicated enough that Instagram doesn't do it justice talking about it. A lot of the time it's complicated enough that so much of it is left out on our infographics, on our posts, on our podcasts. And so I try to also tell people, I'm like, these are incomplete topics. You know, That's why you can't, anything that I say on weight loss or being anti-diet culture or spirituality or atheism or vaccine hesitancy or vaccine sovereignty, it's like, don't take this as like the final word. It's never going to be the final word. These are conversations that we're going to have for our whole lifetime.
0: Yeah and that's the thing that a lot of people our whole lives are on the internet specifically for a lot of us on Instagram and now TikTok and it's like there are books to read and debates <laughs> to watch and other things to dive into academic papers to read if you like the statistics or events to attend if you want to connect in like a more in person way like there's just so many things out there and People really do get a bulk of their information from infographics. Like what is up with that?
1: Mm, yeah, yes, yes. Oh, sweet little infographics. They do so much and so little at the same time. I think that infographics and TikTok uh, info videos where they're trying to, I mean, they're distilling complicated subjects down into like a minute or into 10 slides and some of these topics have people who have gone to school for geopolitical issues for the last 20 years and the people who've gone to school for the last 20 years or who have been writing papers on them or have been researching they still don't even have the full story so why would we think that an infographic on instagram has the full story i think that they do a lot in terms of making information accessible and Again, this is talking about dichotomy. It's it's not an either or, it's a both and. Infographics are great and they can do a disservice by oversimplifying very complicated topics. And so I think like it's us as consumers, it's our responsibility to know that there is a limit to what they can provide for us.
0: Yeah, I think there's a huge gap in our education and a gap that we're going to be forced to fill is... Providing a class. Did you have a class that was like, right now they call it like success. Like for my sister, they call it like the name of her school and success, like their mascot success. And for me, they called it second step. Like it's the second step to life. But it was kind of like a life skills class about like conflict management and like study habits and just like basic things like that. I feel like either technology, ethics, or just like critical analysis when it comes to the internet. Like, I feel like that needs to be somehow integrated into real life, you know, primary school. So that way the kids growing up know that the end all be all doesn't lie in an infographic, even though it can also be like a good starting point for information, but it's not always the the full truth.
1: Oh my God. That's so interesting. No, I never had that course. I'd I'd love that course. Even now I would I'd need something like that. But n- no, I think you're right. The more time that we spend online, though, the more that we are reading this information, right? And I do think that it is for sure a problem because it's like the difference between an infographic and long form journalism like it takes so much more concentration and it takes a solid effort to not be distracted when you're reading a 20 minute long form journal article online than it is to swipe a couple of slides on instagram and get pissed off at it like and share you know like there are, it's two different attention modes that are being activated in your brain like one of them requires a bigger attention span but we're all like these small little elastic bands right now where we're just like we're tightly wound up and it's easier for us to snap. And we like the short form stuff, you know, like kind of like goldfish. There's this one term called continuous partial attention. And it's when your attention is like fractured from one thing to the other. So let's say, I'm on Instagram, but then I also have like 25 tabs open and I'm on Instagram. And then I like watch like two minutes of a YouTube video. And then I go on Instagram to find out the influencer that made that YouTube video. And then I'm looking at her page, but then somebody messaged me and they're like, Hey, did you see what's going on in Lebanon? And then I go and check out the infographic that she sent. And then I'm on Lebanon and then I go on Twitter to look at Lebanon. But then something happened with Kim and Kanye. So then I start reading about that. And then like literally two or three hours later, That fractured attention is so stressful for your nervous system. And it's also, it's a bad habit to get into for just your attention drive. You just have no attention span. It's like, if this thing doesn't activate me within three seconds, then I'm gone. And so I think that that's really difficult because I think it's limiting how we synthesize information in our head. So just even just how we're absorbing information and how we are then making sense of it. And also it's making us less able to digest really complicated shit because we are just used to smaller, simpler, easier things. And it just becomes fast, fun, and easy all over again. And the world is like big and complicated and scary. And I think we're doing ourselves a
0: disservice. Yeah. And it's literally how most of us just inevitably lead our lives. Sometimes because it's our fault and we need to like check it and slow down. And other times because like endless scrolling or newsfeed or like the way that technology is designed to suck us in in that way. Like there's like two aspects of it like the people who created it and who continue to make this like addictive stuff and the content, right? Even like us content creators and the way we present information Mm -hmm. and that self-awareness to know to like, take a step back and slow down and hopefully do better and take a deep breath.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. Take a deep breath. I always have to remind myself of that. (laughs) I'm still not good at that.
0: Me neither. I heard this quote yesterday that was like, Sometimes we're so caught up in surviving that we forget to do the one thing that helps us survive, which is breathe.
1: Mm. Mm. Oh my god! Oh yeah, we. I am so focused on. (laughs) I am so focused on just like the surviving thing, and then I'm like, (sighs) eat, sleep, breathe, slow down. Like, don't constantly live like you're in a state of emergency seriously chill out. It's so hard. It's so hard.
0: Yeah. Like the stuff that gets reinforced and encouraged and the way that we're just kind of living our lives these days. And speaking of states of emergency, one of my favorite episodes in the whole podcasting world, not even just on your podcast, but like truthfully, I feel like this episode needs to be like in, I don't know, like the beginning of any social media platform. <laughs> like it needs to be like a necessary, like, and I agree to the terms and conditions. It has to be like, it requires you to listen to it all the way through. It's probably like a 20 minute episode that you came out with on conversations with Kenzie back in April. And it was about trigger warnings and what they do, what they don't do, what we expect them to do and how sometimes they do more harm than good. And also like the different levels of being triggered I really want to invite people to listen to the entire episode, but if you could give us a little like taste of it um, or a little synopsis, what was that about?
1: Uh, First of all, thank you so much. That means a lot to me because that episode was well-researched and I was really nervous to talk about it because it is such a contentious subject and it is a very controversial. And I knew that it was going to upset people. And I also knew that I had to like live my truth and talk about it. And that just means a lot that you listened to it and that you enjoyed it. And I I really I just I appreciate you so much. Basically the reason why that topic came up to me in my life is because I have self-harm scars. I will always have these scars. These scars aren't going anywhere. And these scars are very visible on my arm. And whenever I've wanted to talk about the scars on my arm, not even talking about self-harm, not talking about anything violent, not talking about anything graphic, I I used to always put trigger warnings when I would want to talk about being empowered by your scars, about walking through life with a t-shirt on. You know, I didn't do that for so long in my life. I wouldn't wear t-shirts. And I always put trigger warnings on. And then in this last year, I stopped. I stopped doing that. And I stopped doing that because I started to ask the question, why am I putting a trigger warning on my body when I'm constantly telling people that bodies shouldn't be censored? And I started to think about the fact that I don't have to actually put a trigger warning on my body that if people are in an upset state then that actually might be on them to regulate themselves. And it took like a lot of unpacking for me because I really wanted to make sure that I was all being a good ally to the mental health community and that I wasn't doing something that was that was something that was awful and something that was saying you have to figure out yourself and I'm, I'm not responsible for you at all because that's just not true. I have social responsibility. Every single person does. I have a responsibility to leave the world a better place than when I entered it. And I'm constantly thinking about what I can do in order to achieve that and in order to make it happen. And I also have a responsibility to myself to be free. And It was not liberating me putting trigger warnings on my scars. It made me feel even more ashamed and it made me feel upset that I had to do that, that somebody was going to be unhappy with a part of my body. And I was like, I don't put trigger warnings on my body for conservatives who who don't like my stretch marks or who don't like my fat or who don't like my arms or my legs. Like I don't put trigger warnings on my body for them to make it more palatable for them. Why would I do it for you? And I understand that there's a difference between stretch marks and self-harm scars. And I do acknowledge that there's a big difference. One of them comes from a place of mental health and mental illness. The other one can come from a place of so many different things. And they're still on my body. They're still visible. They're still on my body. And I ended up stopping putting trigger warnings on my self-harm scars last year. And then when I started to get some pushback, I started to realize that like people really weren't getting it, that if I was walking around in a t-shirt, would they become triggered because they saw my self-harm scars? And how is that my responsibility? Like, and how is that any different than me putting it up online and saying that, you know, I'm confident in myself and that I'm empowered by them? And people were really upset by that. And... I listened and I didn't share the same point of view. And they're allowed to feel however they want to feel. And people are allowed to feel however they want to feel. And I encourage them to process it and do what they have to do. And then it also made me upset that people were saying that they were triggered when they were clearly just uncomfortable. And there's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable. There's just a distinction between a state of being triggered and a state of being uncomfortable. And that's what made me come up with the idea of the triangle of the different states of being in discomfort. So you have being uncomfortable in the bottom, which most of us, every single person has felt. And then you have being activated in the middle and that's like, you know, when you get a little bit more tense, when you're a little bit more upset, you can process it, but you're pissed. Maybe you're upset. Maybe you're sad about something. Maybe you cry, you know, we're we're kind of like a little bit of that pent up energy but you're not triggered. And then being full-blown triggered, it can be anything from like flashbacks to losing consciousness, to sweating, you know, stuff that really belongs to the PTSD community, which is where that term originated from. And now it's been co-opted to just mean fucking anything. And when I made that episode, I just felt like, wow, this is what living in your truth really feels like. I felt so good and I felt so... (sighs) happy that I was finally talking about something that was like near and dear to my heart. And that felt like this is so liberating for me as a person who does have self-harm scars to say, like, I am not censoring myself to make you comfortable. I'm not doing it. If you are so activated by something online, by me just existing in my body, not even explicitly talking about self-harm or mental illness, then like you actually shouldn't be online then there is a whole lot of other shit that is going to also activate you and realizing that I'm, I am not responsible for that. So that's a bit about the episode and it feels really good. And I still get people who are talking about it today, which is so fantastic. And I have had people say, you know, I, I still disagree, but you do have some good points, which is beautiful and lovely. And the feedback of it has mostly been really fantastic.
0: I feel like that's an episode that's going to live on for a while. And I wouldn't be surprised and I would encourage you to, I don't know. I feel like magazines need to publish it or something. (laughs) Thank you. It's really one of those that I feel like, yeah, like big publications should and would pick up and just show like the other side. And one thing that really resonated with me is you said that you know, throwing around the word trigger is a disservice to the PTSD community. And it's incredibly invalidating. And it's kind of like, you know, jokes, like when you make insensitive jokes about topics that actually really, really hurt somebody. And then when people try to come up and talk about things when they actually went through that trauma, now people don't take them as seriously because we've just watered it down.
1: Mm, Yes, exactly. Imagine every time someone You come from an eating disorder background, right? Yeah. Imagine someone who didn't have an eating disorder and every time, not every time, but a lot of the time when they ate food, they looked at you and they were like, oh my God, I have such an eating disorder. And they didn't. Yeah. And they just, they didn't. They didn't. It doesn't mean that that they're not experiencing complex relationship with food or that they're experiencing some type of dieting. And it's all of the same beast, you know, it's, it's, it's all the same beast, but having a full-blown eating disorder is very different than having a complicated relationship with food or feeling like, Oh, you know, I like ate some cookies last night and I feel a little bit guilty, but I'm like moving on with my day. And imagine every time someone did that and they were like, Oh my God, I'm so fucking disordered. I'm so disordered. This is awful that would rob you of your own experience. And then that distills what an eating disorder is down to almost everything. And that's exactly what I think the being triggered has done. And I don't want to make people feel bad about this because it's not about feeling bad. It's like, we're all trying to find language for our, our experiences and saying, and I've said it, you know, where I'm like, this is really triggering right now and stuff. I've just like, I've just outgrown that language. And I'm just, I'm not a person that gets triggered I get triggered like in my therapy sessions when I'm like doing like hardcore therapy and I'm having like a flashback or something like that. You know, that's when maybe I'll get triggered. But other than that, I experience activation where my nervous system can be really dysregulated, but I don't need medical intervention. I don't need social intervention. I just need to like learn how to regulate myself. And so there's an element of self responsibility that I feel like we've given up a lot in a lot of our online spaces where we've made everything everyone else's problem instead of really focusing on like how are people socially impacting me how are our systems impacting me and then where do I begin with my own responsibility? So again, not canceling out systems that work against us, not canceling out the social responsibility that we have to one another, but integrating all of those and integrating self-responsibility as well, I think is so important. And I just, I don't see enough of it. And the more that I dive into therapy, the more that I dive into anything really, the more that I see like how we are really responsible for ourselves and we can't just rely on everybody else to make us feel better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it feels like I'm assuming that most people listening are like, yeah, I totally agree with that. But when you look at the internet and the way it's presented to us, it's either like everything is oppressive and nothing is your fault because all these things are working against you. Or it's the exact opposite of like, manifest anything that you want to be in your life. (laughs) And that's literally from one post to the next is what I see. And I'm like, where can there be both? Where can you, you know, have overcome a lot of tough, hard shit? And where could you have gotten lucky? And you know, where's a trigger warning necessary? And where should this person have done a little bit more to be conscientious? And where's it like your problem, you know? And like, of course, it's all individual. And there's not going to be like a simple solution. But we have to like, just have a little bit more courage and, and patience with each other and just like be okay with being a little bit uncomfortable. And if you're not okay with it, then get off the internet and do something else better for yourself.
1: Oh my god, totally. Get off the internet is like gonna be is a mood for the next year. (laughs) I'm like, get the fuck off. Yes, get offline. Go in person, go put your hands in the dirt and like your feet in the sand and like go and take a swim in the ocean or a lake or like go hug a fucking tree, but get offline. Just please get offline. I'm so sick of also how saturated world events have become online, like every single day somebody will message me and they'll say, you have to talk about this problem. You have to talk about what's going on in this country. You have to talk about what's going on here. And I'm not joking you, Mary. It is every single day. And I just ask myself, how can I do that when I have no clue what's going on? I have no clue what's going on because I'm still just learning about residential schools in Canada from everything that has happened and been uncovered here in Canada this summer. I'm, I'm still learning about that. I'm still devoted to that right now. I can't be a news source and I can't be an advocate for the thousand problems that come up every single day in the entire world. And it's like, I don't understand how people can think that we are going to be effective at change when we're spread so thin. We're spread so thin. And the amount of times that I've shared stuff and people have said, this is misinformation. You can't be sharing this. You're not allowed to share this. You can't share this because it's wrong. I'm like okay then I can't share it you know and that's also why I think that when coming back to what you're saying like slowing down slowing our pace and slowing it to the pace of the nervous system is so important and not getting too activated with everything that's happening in the world and focusing really on like one or two causes you know not giving up not saying I'm not going to focus on anything but just focusing like having like Deep focus on a topic instead of just that fragmented attention, where it's just like, oh, now we have, we all have to scurry over here and do this. We all have to scurry over here and do this, and we all have to do. And it's like that stuff doesn't help. That stuff doesn't help. And I feel like you can see it in the world not helping.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like there's an overemphasis on awareness?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Like people are like, raise awareness, and we need more awareness, and like, I'm sorry, but. A lot of us do have awareness and it doesn't change anything. And if anything, it makes it worse. I'm just even thinking of like the simplest example possible, which is like when somebody new enters the body positivity space or like somebody's trying to, you know, water down like years of our work, for example. And I'm sure this is how people in the fat liberation movement and black people felt in the anti-racist movement where so many people were suddenly gave a shit when they've been talking about it for decades and researching it and putting the work and earning the right to be an expert. And then overnight, a bunch of people came up and kind of just started, again, watering down the message and feeding into what I like to call outrage porn. And all in this big name of raising awareness. And I think it just makes us stressed out on the individual level and also very complacent and numbed out on a collective level.
1: Mm, That's a really good way to put it. And I completely agree with you. Awareness over action is something that we have voted for. The amount of mental health awareness that we have is unprecedented. You can't go anywhere without talking about mental health. Oh, you need to like talk about your feelings, you need to like seek help. We need to make sure that people who have this mental illness are getting recognized. We need advocates for here. Suicide rates have never been higher. Anxiety rates have never been higher. Depression rates have never been higher. Eating disorders have never been higher. It's very clear that awareness doesn't actually mean change. It's very clear. There are so many problems that are happening in the Middle East right now. I don't even need to get specific with that. And the amount of awareness, that awareness, and I put that very loosely, that happened in the su- in the summer and nothing changed. Nothing changed. And it's almost like maybe we're either aware of the wrong things or our attention isn't deep enough to actually get to the root of the problem to change it. And... I just think that it's also half of this is virtue signaling. Like when we go online and we share something, let's say a celebrity passes away from suicide. And we go online and we share sentiments and we say, these are the hotlines. Please call if you're struggling. Please donate if you have to donate. If you can donate, you know, you matter in the world. Let's say like we, we all do that. And suicide rates still climb. What's going on, you know, and it, that's where we might feel pressured to post something because everybody else is, but maybe that's not changing the world. Maybe that's just us making us feel better about the one, the one that we're currently living in. And I just think it's total bullshit, which is why I shut my mouth now when things happen, because I'm like, I'm not going to dip my toe in this to just leave tomorrow. You know, if I want to dive into the problems of Haiti, or if I want to dive into the problems of Israel, Palestine, or if I want to dive into the problems of Lebanon, I'm going to go, I'm going to dive in, I'm going to commit. And it's like, if I'm diving into a problem of the way that we created a genocide here in Canada with colonialism and settlers and the terrible, horrific things that we have done to the indigenous community and children, then I'm focusing on that. And it's not just about awareness. It's like, how the fuck do I change this? And I devote and I commit to that, but I'm not also going to like spread myself thin into a thousand different places. And I'm not going to virtue signal online to prove to my brothers and sisters that I care about things. People know me and know that I care, but I'm not going to post up about every single issue to raise quote unquote awareness just so that way everybody can tell that I'm still a good girl. I'm still a good liberal. It's like, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. That is a... that is not what I vote to be the right way forward. I will not be doing that. And I think that there's an element to that too, where we're trying to be like these like perfectionistic advocates, these activists that are perfect. And it's like, it doesn't exist guys. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist at all.
0: Yeah. And also people doing the most work are usually people who don't even have social media. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. That's such a, that's a fantastic point. You're absolutely right. Most of the people who've been working long and hard at some of the most pressing issues in the world, we don't know their fucking names. We don't know their names and they don't have social media accounts. Social media accounts don't translate to doing good in the world, you know? So you're absolutely right about that.
0: Yeah. I wish we could just remind that to everybody who has activists in their bio, or my favorite is <laughs> philanthropist. I'm like, bitch, you don't have enough money. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like, what does that mean now? Yeah. What does like, it mean now? Seriously. And I'm like, you know, I saw this viral TikTok video of Blake Lively speaking out against, um, I think it was like children and pedophilia. See, I can't even remember because I see so much of it. I can't even tell you what Blake Lively was talking about. And it was viral. And I'm so so inspired by how she's like used her platform for more change like outside of Hollywood. And I, I love that for her. And there are people that have been doing it for decades and decades and decades who are not going to get a viral TikTok video, who don't look like she does, who don't have the same reach or the same applause or praise that she's receiving. And we just need to like be aware of that. That most of the time the people <laughs> I hate that I use the word aware. We just need to like remind ourselves that not everybody online is doing as much as they say they are. And there also are a lot of people that don't even have a social media that are creating so much change, both in their local communities or even just within themselves and on a bigger scale, like in all different sides of it, you know?
1: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I want for the people listening to this too, to not feel bad because a lot of the people listening, we probably all have patterns of doing this, you know, checking into an issue and then checking out of it because it's too much or we just don't have the energy to continue learning about it or there's a more pressing issue that seems to come up. And it's not about like... I don't want to make anybody feel bad and I don't want to guilt anybody because I don't think that that's a good motivator. And I want people to know that like you and I don't have the answers necessarily of like, this is how you change the world. Instead, it's more or less just like we're, we're all figuring it out right now. We're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And it does feel like The world is burning up and that there are literally and figuratively that the world is on fire and it is really stressful. And we are all in this together trying to figure it out. That's like bottom line is I'm trying to like just really focus on trying to like what is working and what isn't and not attaching whether or not I think that's good or bad. And I just see a lot of the online stuff is not working. I see a lot of it is not working, and I don't know exactly what the answer is. I just know that it doesn't seem to be working at the way that we all thought that it would or the way that we intended it to.
0: Mm. How do you balance that? like what have you learned about yourself as you've grown a huge huge platform? I mean, you have like half a million. People that are following you and that are looking up to you for various things, like what what have you learned through that? Mm. <laughs> I've learned through that
1: that life cannot be lived online, that I think that online fractures conversation a lot more than it does help it. And I think that I've learned a lot about integrity, you know, not giving yourself away to the masses and not not expecting everyone to understand you and being okay with that, like really sitting and being okay with that. I have such a little inner people pleaser. I have like an inner Stepford wives mom that lives inside of me. That's just like, I'm just going to make sandwiches and cookies for everybody. And they'll love me. They'll really love me. Once they see like how good I am and how pure I am, they'll love me. They'll love me because all that I want is for goodness in the world. And it's like, there is just absolutely no way to make everybody happy online. You just, you can't do it. A person for everybody is a person for nobody. And I am definitely not an everybody person. And so I think like being okay with that, being okay with like being imperfect online and and having an audience to your imperfections is also a very unique experience and um, not running away from that. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's taught me a lot, but to show me just how much I don't know as well. Like, you know, as soon as I think that I know something from just being in the online space, I'm like, Oh yeah, I know nothing.
0: (laughs) Mm, Yeah. You don't know how much you don't know until you, yeah. (laughs) Until
1: you're like open to it until you're like open to it. And, um, you know, knowledge is a finite resource. You can only cram so much into your brain, but the amount of shit that you don't know is infinite. Like it just goes on forever. Like there's just like, an infinite amount of stuff about the world, about the universe, about life that you just don't know. And so knowledge is like, it's finite and, um, not knowing is infinite. And I think I li- I like sitting in an unknown too, because you get to be a student, you know, and you get to just be open and learn and, and whatnot.
0: What is your greatest source of joy lately?
1: <sighs> um, my greatest source of joy lately would have to be laughing with my friend Kayla Logan while we've been on the road. And we've just had so much fun doing this road trip and catching sunsets and seeing random mountains and waterfalls and forests and the ocean and all of it. I'd say like all that mashed up into one has been my greatest joy and Pokey Bowls. I love Mm. my Pokey Bowls.
0: I love pokeballs too. That sounds so dreamy and romantic. I love that you're doing that, especially given everything we've gone through the past year and a half. I feel like a road trip is just the dream for so many right now. And I just love seeing you live that.
1: Thank you. It has been so needed. I've worked really hard for it and it feels so epic to be on. So thank you so much for witnessing me in it. It's just been a really beautiful time.
0: Hmm. You are such an epic energy force. And I would love for more people to actually listen to you, whether it's your podcast and your social media and all the incredible content you create. Where can we find you and connect with you? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So for my podcast, um, you can definitely find me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And that's Conversations with Kenzie. And then I am most active on Instagram and my Instagram handle is Kenzie Brenna. I would absolutely love to chat as much as I love to. I'd love to chat with everybody. But... Even just having this conversation with you, Mary, has just been so spectacular, and I really appreciate you holding space for all of these complicated, nuanced topics and listening to me today. So I really, really appreciate the space that you've created here.
0: I received that with so much love, and know that you were the one that inspired all of this in general, and even so many things I said today as things I've always wanted to and haven't. And thanks to you for creating the place to to just just do this back and forth. Oh, I love it. I love it, girl. Love you. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. One last thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to com slash book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much. And I will talk to you next time.